Welcome to Make No Bones. I'm Emily Barton Altman. And I'm Toby Altman. Make No Bones is a podcast about poetry and the creative life. Each episode, we ask a poet to read a poem and talk about it. They tell us how they wrote it and explain how it reflects the broader priorities of their work. This week's episode features Emily Jungmin Yoon. Hi, I'm Emily. Uh, I'm Emily Jungmin Yoon. Emily Jungmin Yoon is the author of Ordinary Misfortunes, Tupelo Press 2017, winner of the Sunken Garden Chapbook Prize, and a cruelty special to our species, Echo Books 2018. Her poems and translations appear or are forthcoming in The New Yorker, Poetry, The Literary Review, The New York Times Magazine, and elsewhere. In 2017, she received the Ruth Lilly and Dorothy Sargent Rosenberg Fellowship from the Poetry Foundation. She currently serves as the poetry editor for The Margins, the literary magazine of the Asian American Writers Workshop, and is a PhD student in the East Asian Languages and Civilizations Department at the University of Chicago. She read her poem, Say Grace for Us. We talked about protest poetry, canonization, and how poetry can challenge the continuing violence of colonialism. I always loved writing. Um, When I was little and I was living in Korea, I would write little poems here and there, and I would write stories loosely based on Harry Potter and I would show them to my mom and you know she would like print them out and like put them in like binders and show everyone and I was I think about six and as young as I was that's when I realized I wanted to be a writer because I liked getting compliments (laughs) um, from my mom and her friends. Um, I came into poetry a lot later, um, in 11th grade. I took this writing class with my English teacher um, named Terence Young, who was also a poet, and I hadn't really you know, been a fan of poetry over you know, fiction or anything, but maybe because he was a poet, like just the passion that he showed for poetry really had an impact on me, and I realized that in poetry like my failures in English were tolerated or even uh, celebrated and that kind of liberty that I felt is what really made me feel infatuated with poetry and uh, made me continue writing you know some people don't really get it when I say failures in English because they're like oh you, you speak English you know well and um when I'm just speaking to people like conversationally they don't notice any quote-unquote failures, as I would say, but you know, I think it's just is more based in my memory of like coming into English. Like when I would pronounce something wrong, like mo- for most people, it might not be a big issue because a lot of people pronounce things wrong. <laughs> um, but for me, like all of those um, errors have felt like failures, and um, just made me think really hard about the language that I'm speaking, the language that I've adopted. And so like in my poetry, sometimes you'll notice how I just like mentioned my background um, as an ESL speaker and just the, um, the interesting sounds that I notice in English and in Korean and just putting them all together in a poem. When I was growing up in Canada, I didn't write a lot in Korean because I I wanted to speak English better and I wanted to belong, right? Um, and that 
the rift between me and my friends, like the friends who were native speakers of English and me, like that was really painful. So I, I wrote everything in English. I, I don't think I ever wrote a Korean poem when I was living in Canada. I, I wrote some in college. It's kind of difficult for me to go back to Korean when I'm writing poetry um, because I think my, as sad as it is to say, I think my poetic language or my writing has become tamed in the English language. You know, there's like, you know, when I'm writing a line, like I, in, you know, by instinct know what sounds good or like where the line break should be. Um, but in Korean, it doesn't come as naturally. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting because when I'm speaking Korean, just like conversationally, I don't, I don't feel that much different um, from when I'm speaking in English. But when I'm writing poems, I just feel like it just comes easier for me in English. I wrote this poem um, after thinking really long and hard about um, my Catholic upbringing. Well, it, my family wasn't very, you know, very rigidly Catholic, but I did go to Sunday school and I did get um, christened, I guess. And some of the teachers there really shocked me. <laughs> um, as I say in the poem, like they said, you know, Buddha and babies are in hell and I... I think I was about seven when I was told that, and that's when I actually started doubting my my beliefs. I started actually composing this poem when you know the so-called Muslim ban um, happened, I guess, and just thinking about the irony of this country calling itself Christian and deciding to ban all Muslim Americans and Muslim um, you know, individuals from entering this country. That's just all that to this like spiraling thought about like religion and just, you know, clemency and what do we need to do to exist in this country. I, I think I wrote this poem pretty quickly. Um, it's one of those poems that just came and it's also mo one of my most recent poems. I don't know, it makes me feel a little, a little nervous. It's one of those poems that, that scare you. I don't know if you have that experience, but um, it's one of the criticisms I've heard um, from the people that I showed this poem to was that this, it divides people because it says, you know, we and I and they, all these pronouns. And they were like, you know, why, if it's about religion and who can belong to where those questions why can't it be why can't it have more universal tones and I was thinking does it you know does a poem have to have some kind of universality of a poem that does it have to be a poem that unites everyone I don't know I think like if this poem does divide people or create creates that tension I think that's that's good that's one of the things that I like about this poem, the fact that it makes this, this question, the me versus them or us versus them. 
you know, like everyone likes to say, like, you know, every poem is political. Even if you say you're not political, that's a political statement. And um, recently I read my friend Christopher Soto, a.k.a. Loma's piece, um, I think, on Poetry Foundation about um, political poetry. And, you know, they say if every poem is political, like, they want protest poetry, right? If a poem that seemingly doesn't concern itself with politics, even if that, if that poem is political, then, you know, I want poems that, that do more. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm accomplishing that in my poetry. And I do think a lot about just the politics of my, my existence in this country as a woman of color, as a Korean immigrant woman in between countries, um, what it means to write poems in English here about Korea. My first book is titled A Cruelty Special to Our Species, um, and it contains all the poems from my chapbook, which is Ordinary Misfortunes, um, and that chapbook is mostly um, about the violences toward the woman's body, especially the Korean woman's body um, during the colonial era and the Korean War, um, the experiences of the comfort women. So all those poems are in um, in the book, but also included are poems like Say Grace and um, my personal experiences. Um, my, like I said, my meditations on existing in this in this country as a Korean woman as an ESL speaker as an immigrant. You know, obviously I wouldn't say that my experiences are the same as as the comfort women's, but I do believe that we still live in a colonial reality, right? Even if this country masquerades as like a very progressive, liberal, like world power country, like a lot of us still live under, you know, colonial authorities. I think it could be boiled down to the very simple, trite but true expression, like violence begets violence, like the violence has never ended. And it seems like it will never end, <laughs> especially, you know, looking at the current news. But I think poetry just helped me unravel those thoughts and just find inner peace, as, as cliche as that sounds. and hopefully helps other readers who, I guess, think similarly, well, find peace, but also, like, complicate their way of thinking, like, um, like, the reason we're here, if we're immigrants, and, well, even if we're not, and, um, the reasons we cannot be here, like, who oppresses us, and those questions. But I do hope that, you know, that might work in poetry, not just writing but also like curating the poetry section and the margins at the Asian American Writers Workshop and um, being in community with other uh, Asian poets and poets of color does influence you know, aspiring poets or poets of color Asian poets who feel alienated from from the poetry world. Well I think like a lot of the criticisms about like the efforts to like decolonize the canon or like dismantling the canon has been that, you know, like great works of literature are still great, whether they're like written by male writers or white writers.
at like the works of poets of color and other poets who are within that effort like, can show those critics that we're adding to the canon, right? And we're expanding the canon. And I, I hope that my work can have a tiny part in that push, um, in that you know, Asian American poetry or Asian poetry, um, poetry by immigrants and people of color would add to your experience, even if you're not from the margins, basically. I'm going to read this poem called Say Grace. In my country, our shamans were women and our gods multiple until white people brought an ecstasy of rosaries and our cities today glow with crosses like graveyards. As a child in Sunday school, I was told I'd go to hell if I didn't believe in God. Our teacher was a woman whose daughters wanted to be nuns and I asked, what about babies and what about Buddha? And she said, they're in hell too. And so I memorized prayers and recited them in front of women I did not believe in. Deliver us from evil, O sweet Virgin Mary, amen. O sweet, O sweet. In this country, which calls itself Christian, what is sweeter than hearing, have mercy on us, from those who serve different gods? O clement, O loving, O God, O God, amidst ruins, amidst waters, fleeing, fleeing, deliver us from evil, O sweet, O sweet. In this country, point at the moon, at the stars, point at the way the lake lies, with a handful of feathers, and they will look at the feathers, and kill you for it. If a word for religion they don't believe in is magic, so be it, let us have magic. Let us have our own mothers and scarves, our spirits, our shamans, and our sacred books. Let us keep our stars to ourselves, and we shall pray to no one. Let us eat what makes us holy. This episode of Make No Bones was produced and edited by Toby and Emily Altman in Iowa City. The music for this episode is by Toby Altman. If you like what we do, check out our website, makenobonespodcast.org, for all our episodes. Or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And please consider rating us on iTunes. It really helps. Join us next time for an interview with H. Melton.